Hey guys, welcome back to another exciting episode of Fanholes Toku Thursdays. Hey, what's up guys? This is Derek, Derek WC. I'm here tonight and I'm joined with a very special guest and we're going to be discussing some Common Rider Gaim tonight. So go ahead and give a shout out, special guest. Oh, hi there, this is Jan Airhammer. How are you guys doing? Cool, so yeah, I'm here with Jan and... We decided we're going to talk some more about Common Rider Gaim. It's been a, a little while since we've talked about some of these episodes, so we thought it'd be fun to sort of get back into it and revisit some of the episodes. We, When, when last we left off, I think Tony and you and, and I forget who else was there, but I think you guys were talking about the fourth episode of Gaim, and then we are now on episode five, which is called Revival Ichigo Arms of Friendship. So that's basically the episode we're going to be talking about. And because I am not Tony, and I did <laughs> not prep for this episode, I basically am going to crib off the synopsis that I stole from the Common Rider wiki. But it <laughs> is basically that, that Kota is trying to overcome the events that befell him in the Helheim forest. So uh, Kota was all kind of bamboozled, and he was all ready to give up common ridering forevers and, and you know wasn't going to be into it anymore because it was super, super dangerous and he almost died and stuff. And basically, he, he's trying to overcome that. While meanwhile, Kaito is challenging Mishi to uh, fight with the, the new armored rider Ryugen. And basically, you know, what is that? The grape armor. So he's he's unable to, to fight with banana arms all on his own. And that's, that's the basic plot of the episode that's what's going on and everything hmm. so i mean wh what did you think of of the basic episode Jan? like you know what are your thoughts on uh you know i guess michi like trying to you know take over uh Kota's role as sort of the the figurehead for team dime and everything well yeah he wants to try and be a leader and stand up for Kota and uh just take over but he looks up to Kota too much and he seems weak in that regard. You know, he wants to uh, show him what he can do, but he's not that good at it on his own. So he needs the team to pull together and help him out. Yeah, it was like, I, I guess in what the beginning of the episode, like, he, you know, everybody's shocked because they don't expect him to to have the same belt that uh, that Kota has. Yeah. And so he actually, you know, he, he, he it's, he's a little slow on the uptake, but I mean, he eventually kind of drives off you know, some of those guys that have, have forged an alliance with Team Baron that have the little invest. They're trying to take one of Gaim's stages and everything like that. But even even after Kota sees that televised battle and everything, he's still thinking of, of his friends, I guess, because, you know, he's the one that comes down. And he sort of tries to convince Michi, like, hey, you know, this is dangerous. You know, like, you know, you might not want to you know, be getting involved in this 
you know, belt type stuff. Because obviously that's, you know, his defeat, you know, at the hands of uh, what the Melon Arms dude, you know, he's like, oh, that. <laughs> That had a that had a pretty big effect on him. So it's his heart's in the right place. Like he wants to kind of you know look out for his buddies and everything like that. And then uh, kind of like what you're saying, like Michi is trying to you know sort of fill that role. You know, and obviously he's got a thing for Mai, and and he kind of wants to you know sort of I guess take Koda's place in that as well. You know, so like he's he's basically trying to bite bite off more than he can chew. Yeah. You know, like because because you know. Basically, you know, Baron shows up and, and challenges him and everything. And I guess this is the first time where, you know, beyond just you know using banana arms, you know, they're kind of shocked to see that the invests that he summons are not kind of these ethereal invests. They're not sort of virtual. It's yeah. like they're actually physicalized. Like they actually come through the little zippers and stuff like that. And it. It's kind of interesting. What do you think about like the rules of some of these games? Like it's like it seems like like they're you know it's like he just busts out like two little henchgoons to like help you know take his you know, Michi's wallet pretty much like where it's like <laughs> hey you know like like it it doesn't seem like like I know he's all about the strength and stuff like that but you'd think he would have been one of those guys where he'd want to like test his metal you know one on one but he, he's basically like look at what I can do like look at what I learned that that you don't really understand type thing and because you don't understand it now you're going to suffer for it and so it's like the poor guy's getting you know beat up left and right until (laughs) you know coda shows up and it doesn't look like he's basically trying to convince him to stop but you know eventually i guess it's kind of interesting because i guess seeing michi fight and and having you know my explain that he's not going to give up because coda's there you know because he's like you were talking about, Jan, he's played such a role in sort of influencing him, and that he looks up to him so much. He's not gonna, he's not gonna back down, even if it's you know in his own interests to stay alive, basically. You know, so at that point, I guess that gives him, you know, gives Kota the the uh, wherewithal to say, hey, you know what, I I don't need to be afraid of this anymore. Like, I, and and he has an interesting line about, he's like, this is what you know, this must be what adults mean by accepting responsibility. Yeah. You know, so, so that, you know, I mean, I guess it's a, a moment of character growth for him. I mean, he does seem to be the character that's on the cusp, you know, where he's, he's lived in the, the Gaim world where he kind of does this kind of teenage gangland warfare for lack of a better term. <laughs> and, and he's trying to move out into the adult world where, you know, he's trying to get jobs and do all those kind of things. So he's, He's kind of at a crossroads, but he's he's sort of still he's got a foot in both worlds. So, but I guess he's trying to apply some of that adult life lessons to to what he's doing with with Team Gaim. Yeah, I guess we should mention the start of the episode. Michi is uh, ch- being challenged by Junucci of Team Baron, and he transforms to Grape Arms and takes on one of the uh, Inves monsters. Defeats it quite easily in his first battle and winds up taking the uh, strawberry lock seed that Janucci's been holding on to. And that's going to play an important role, I guess, later on, when when Kota finally ends up destroying, like, the barrier that he puts when they have their their fight and everything. You know, Kota finally becomes Orange Arms and, and gets involved in the battle and everything. So, you know, then he gets that the strawberry lock seed to, to fight with. So, mm-hmm. 
yeah, mid-episode, you got Janucci, he's all, you know, pissed off, and can't, he just can't stand that he's been defeated so easily, so you see him talking to one of the other Baron members, Ryoji, and they start to make plans, and when Michi's taking on Kaido, you see them watching from a distance, and then after Koda gets involved, they decide to get involved themselves and protect their leader. And then we get a bit of a surprise there towards the end of the episode. Yeah, I I was just going to ask, like, maybe this is, like, my own personal preference, like, based on things that taste good or whatever. Yeah. But it's like, I like, I like Coda's, like, fruits, because I'm like, <laughs> yeah, he's an orange. And then I'm like, cool, he tosses him the strawberry and shit, you know? And, and of course, I think it's kind of funny. It's not like I don't eat bananas, but, like, it's kind of funny where you're, like, Baron shows up and is like, banana, you know, and you're like, oh, okay. But then it's like, uh, Michi is grape, and I'm kind of like, well, grapes are cool, but he's, like, a purple grape, and I don't know if he's that cool, you know, and stuff. And I'm, like, I'm like, I'm rating them by, like, the type of fruit it is. Yeah. So when, when Junichi and uh, Ryoji have their own drivers and turn into... It's like they they turn into what is it like a pine cone and yeah. an egg corn and I'm just kind of like wait everybody else is a fucking fruit but you're like you're, you're like Chip and Dale's like uh, you know food of choice you know and I'm just kind of like oh man like that's gonna be like the low I I don't know I was just like these are kind of like the low scale drivers like they're not quite that cool you know <laughs> so I was like oh okay I it, and they they don't look quite as colorful either i mean i guess even if you're not a fan of bananas or grapes or whatever and you like strawberries and oranges more you you would say like oh well look overall you know whether it's green melons or you know whatever it is they turn into it's like these are all kind of colorful fruits but then the these other ones are kind of very i don't know it's just the the browns it's like eh, you know there's not too much to them, you know? Yeah. So they actually, I mean, they, they sort of turn the tables on Baron, on Kaito, you know, because yeah. it's like he he's expecting them to, you know, honor their allegiance to him, but I guess the way he's treated them, you know, he, he he's had separate conversations with Janichi, which he's, he's passed on, you know, to his buddy, and it's like he basically sort of, you know, they're, they're insulted because... He basically describes the the people who have joined his allegiance as weak. You know, he's like, I want. Oh, he's like, I can't tell all the weak people to leave, but I can tell all the weak people to come and join me, and then that way I'll know who the strong people are, so that I can challenge them. And he's like, Well, the only people who haven't like fallen into line are Gaim, so those are the strong people that I want to fight. Which you know makes sense, but obviously he's not. You know. Mm-hmm. He may be into all this strength, but he's obviously not a good leader because he, he, you know, you don't, you even if that's your the way you really think, you probably shouldn't tell, you know, your quote unquote employees or underlings or you know whatever you want to call these guys, these guys you you formed an allegiance with. You don't want to tell them, well, I I had you join me because you were you know you were weak and I could absorb you. You know, like that's not that's not how you sell it. You know, you gotta you gotta sell it a little differently for them to stay on your side. And and because of that action, like that that allegiance is basically, you know, destroyed because they they turn on him. You know, instead of instead of joining him to attack uh, Michi and Kota, they they actually attack him. And then it's like basically they're fighting with him for the rest of the 
the episode. Yeah. I don't know, like, is that something, like, you expected, given how, how, uh, uh, Kaito, you know, talked to those guys? Like, uh, they're all sort of scheming off to the side, or, or was that sort of a surprise? I guess you could call it, yeah, I, I somewhat expected it. I don't know, if Tony was here, he'd probably be bringing up a S.H.I.E.L.D. reference, like I'm thinking right now, because, uh, you know, we're both WWE fans, and uh, <laughs> think about that. Uh, you know, they've got their own plan B. They want to take uh, control of Team Baron, or at least, you know, take him out and uh, start their own team. And, yeah, it, it sounds messy. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, what do you think about, like, if you're just looking at it, like, from a strictly logical standpoint, what what Kota's reaction to it was? Like, obviously, he he kind of sees them as as sort of cheap, you know? Like, basically, he's, he's kind of like, dude, you just betrayed the guy. Like, aren't you guys supposed to be, you yeah. know, teammates and stuff? And he, he, you know, he ends up defending them uh, or defending, you know, Kaito from them, you know, just based on that. And, you know, to me, it's kind of interesting because whether they remove Kaito as, as they suggest, like if it was four on one and they removed him, they would still end up having to fight one another. Eventually. Yeah. Eventually anyway. So it's almost like they sort of bypass that, you know, they, they, you know, they sort of defeat Kaito, but they don't, completely permanently take him out of the game because he's he's too good a character to yeah. to remove from the show you know so they don't destroy his 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 belt or anything but you know he he obviously is taken down for the moment and then you know you've got you know the strawberry arms you know lock seed which you know is kind of cool like i like strawberries and he you know it's like he, strawberries taste good so this must be a cool lock seed <laughs> and it seems like it seems like he has these kind of projectile weapons and everything that he uses against them and and I guess in some ways Nietzsche gets to be sort of vindicated too because you know he gets to sort of participate and and sort of defend the armor or the honor of uh, a team dime as well yeah we're starting to fade into episode six here so it doesn't really matter uh, we'll just do one big episode backtracking here we have Jinochi and uh, Ryoji just suddenly turning on Kaido and they pretty much beat him down to the point where he has to transform back He's that damaged. And uh, they go to finish him off, but Koda gets involved, and he's like, you know, don't do this. <laughs> yeah, now it's two-on-two two with Kaido watching from the sideline. Former Baron members are easily defeated, and they just run off. Koda and Nietzsche attempt to help Kaido, but he wants nothing to do with it and limps off. Yeah, uh, episode is quite short, really, so it's easy for us to get confused and go right into the next episode. So, yeah, I suppose we could just continue here. After the battle, Koda is continuing his job search and finds a... He's got an interview at a French bakery called... Uh, I think it was called Charmant. He goes in and has this really wacky... Well, I you really can't call it an interview. You meet the owner of the place. His name's Oren Pierre Alfonso. And, yeah, he screams homosexual, sure. We don't know his actual sexuality. He's just a very flamboyant male character. 
and he's asking Coda, you know, what's your birthday? You know, I can't... Seems, seems, seems to be highly into astrology as well. Yes. So, long story short, Coda doesn't get the job because he doesn't have fashion sense and <laughs> Orin cannot stand people who are... Well, the, the other thing, too, I guess, is he, he describes the, the business as just a cake shop. Just and, of course, that, yeah. that drives this guy crazy for yeah. whatever reason. You know, like, I guess that's his, his primary occupation. And I guess later we find out that he... You know, he went to France to study how to do it, and and obviously there's a lot of effort put into it. So, he, you know, he's not going to hire somebody who, who thinks it's just a cake shop, I guess. So Yeah, Coda gets back home and he meets up with his sister. He's like, yeah, I didn't get the job. And uh, eventually Mai shows up with cakes from the same place, and so they start eating. We had a funny moment here where Coda's looking at one of the cards that came with the cakes, and... He looks on the back, he sees Oren's face, and you get this great hiss out of him with this face. And you know, yeah, the girls, the girls seem to go apeshit over the cakes. Obviously, like yeah. it's like, and they're and he's kind of like, well, what's so special about this place? And they're like, oh, he's from France, and he <laughs> studied there, and, and you know, obviously, he's got a, a certain French title. You know, what do they call it? Is a pastier or something? I don't even know what that is. Pastier, yeah, something like that. They're they're all into the cakes, so I was like. Typical, typical chick stuff. They love the cakes because they look good. Like they, they may taste like shit, but because they look like cute cakes, they spend a lot of money on them or whatever. And I think Coda like ends up dropping the cake or whatever it is because he can't, he can't even stay together. I guess so. I don't know. From a guy perspective, you're like, wait, I can't hold this cake. Like, how am I supposed to stick it in my mouth? But the girls are like, but the cake's so pretty. Yeah, you know? and he just drops it by accident. But yeah, our next scene comes back to the cafe. We've uh, learned from just a scene prior that uh, Team Red Hot, I believe their name was, have broken up with Team Baron because they don't want to be the backup dancers anymore. They want to go their separate way. And uh, here at the cafe, we see one of the members has gotten his own warrior belt and takes off. Junichi and Ryoji are there having conversation, and they notice this, and they're like, oh, great, so now the sixth belt is out there. Another team has a belt. What are we going to do? They figure that the best way to improve their skills is to go practice. And I guess practicing involves, uh, what is it, the the, the one guy, uh, Ryoji, like sticking Junichi in front of him the whole time and <laughs> getting hit, you know, basically by the training dummy. You know, it's like, it's, like, it's going to be great. We're going to do teamwork. And he's like, oh, yeah, teamwork sounds good. And he's like, you just stand here and take all the bullets while I jump over you and stab the guy with my spear like that's their that's their big plan which of course doesn't doesn't work out too well i guess because i, I guess they want you to think that this guy the uh oren pierre alfonso yeah. yeah like not only did he study in france to become this world-class pastry chef and uh not only is he you know a, a hip and and stylish effeminate dresser or whatever and you know runs around in lipstick and and wears you know little wig bonnets or whatever those are you know it's like he also apparently is the greatest soldier in the history of soldiers because apparently he knows all about fighting and he finds the fighting of the the guys who currently have these uh you know drivers distasteful and so he's able to actually sort of manhandle and 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 get one out of the guy from 
Team Red Hot because I guess the guy was bragging in his his cake shop, and then he just kicks him out of the cake shop and takes the driver from him. Yep. So now he shows up, and then the other thing I was trying to figure out was I was like, what is a durian? Like, is that a fruit? Like, what is that? Um, basically, most people that won't know what it is probably saw it for the very first time in Super Mario Sunshine. It's a prickly fruit with a very smelly, fleshy inside and a very thorny, spiky outside. It, yeah, hard to describe. Best to look it up. It's, it's known as the king of fruits. It's incredibly awkward. You go to YouTube, you can probably... Is it, is it, it's it's kind of, basically, it echoes the character. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, guess you, I guess you could say that. If you go to YouTube, you could always look up L.A. Beast, who does a challenge uh, eating a couple of them. That's fun to watch. <laughs> so is it, I mean, is it, when you say challenge, like, is it, is, does it, is it hard to eat? Is it not good to eat? Like, why is it a challenge to eat this fruit? Well, it has a distinct taste and a very strong odor. Uh, huh. So, yeah. so basically, like, like it, it smells funny, and and it may or may not. It, it's the king of fruits, but it doesn't taste that good. Yeah. That. Yeah. <laughs> yep. See, it's funny. It's like you think like this is progress for for certain people, where they'd be happy that a character of this denomination and background would be in the show. But then, if you actually look at the fruit that he's assigned, then maybe they'll cry foul as well because they're like, "He's a smelly, prickly fruit that nobody likes to eat," and they're all upset. So I don't know. I don't know if this would go over well or not. I have no idea. Well, I'll, I'll link you to the video now, and uh, we could maybe even link it along with the podcast when it goes up on the site, and you can uh, see how crazy that is. Of course, there's other uh, challenges and uh, videos of it on YouTube that you can check out as well. Junichi and Ryoji are practicing under a bridge with a really half-assed-looking dummy that shoots out fireworks and uh, such. And water. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, all of a sudden, you got a crowd there, Coda as well, and they're trying to figure out what's going on, and uh, apparently Oren has uh, invited everybody there to have his big debut, showing that he has a belt, which, as we've already established, he took from the member of Team Red Hot. And, uh, yeah, he's got a durian lock seed, and he transforms and uh, in his own stylish way. And, uh, yeah, one way to... <laughs> he, he kisses it and says, yeah. Henshin. Yeah, yeah, he kisses it. And uh, so, yeah, he's uh, got this uh, green spiky armor and uh, with a uh, kind of a fruity red mohawk and a couple of uh, spike clubs, I think, are his weapons. So he's basically the final, he's going to be the final rider for the most part, because they've, they've sort of established, like, there were seven of these belts, and now they've all sort of been assigned to this point. Like, who, like, for, for you, Jan, like, to this point, like, do you have any particular rider that is your favorite, like, that you like the best out of these guys, or? I kind of like them all equal, really. Okay. Like, Junuchi and Ryoji... Sure, they've got non-fruit belts, uh, but, you know, anything with a seed, I suppose, qualifies. 
So, yeah. you know, another scene that is kind of faded in the back that we forgot to mention is uh, Michi returns home at one point and uh, oversees that his brother has a belt and two lock seeds in his uh, briefcase. During a phone call, he, yeah, he takes one of the locks, doesn't he? Yeah, the watermelon. And his brother leaves without uh, knowing a thing. And I think that will go into the next episode. But, uh, yeah, as the episode is ending, uh, Oren, now transformed, is uh, making easy work of the uh, of Jinochi and Ryoji. Of course, Ryoji is using Jinochi as a shield, uh, like he was before, leaping off his shoulders and attempting to get an upper hand, but uh, failing miserably. So yeah, that pretty much finishes it off. Uh, the next episode is called Wrecking Ball Big Bang. And it will focus on the watermelon that uh, Mitchy has. So we'll just have to look forward and see what happens there. Cool. I guess that's, that, that, that is Toku Thursdays, <laughs> as it was. This is going to be uh, Derek, Derek WC. You can also find Fanholes Podcast at Fanholes Podcast Blogspot. Dot com. Uh, you can send us emails at fanholspodcast at gmail.com. We've got other kinds of sideshows like Transformers Tuesdays, Mobile Suit Mondays, and Sentai Saturdays. And there is the Fanholes Podcast proper. Uh, we're on iTunes and Stitcher Radio, so give us a listen and thanks so much. Yeah, again, this is Derek, Derek WC, signing off. This is Yon Airhammer. You can catch me on DeviantArt, too. All right, guys. Take it easy. See ya. but it worked out <laughs> yeah i was just like i don't know i got i got lost i thought i was keeping it to the the episode but i probably jumped into the the second one because it kind of goes over into it or whatever so